I just want to give some clarity around being able to walk away from your business. So what this doesn't mean is you can walk away from your business and just not take clients. What it means is you can walk away, but the deliverables are still happening in the background. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for coaches, course creators, and experts who want to grow their influence, income, and impact to take their coaching business to a million dollars and beyond. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life inside and out create the influence, income and impact you need to build your business so you can create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to Influence by Design. I am your co-host for today, Samantha Riley, joined by my partner in crime here every Thursday, Tim Hyde. How are you, Tim? I am well, Sam, and it's good to be back for another episode. Looking forward to today's topic, which I think is a really important one for everyone looking to take their business to the next level. And as we talked about the other week, how to create more influence from that. But this one's been kind of in my mind for a little while now, and I know it has been for for you as well. And that's how do we create this business that runs without us? Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorite topics. What's interesting, I'm going to get a little bit woo-woo here on you, Tim. Recently, so probably about four weeks ago, there was some uh, universal energy I don't talk about that a lot on the show, but I'm going to start bringing it a little bit more. But there was some energy around that was a very similar energy to, you know, the way the stars and the planets were aligned back in 2003. Now, when I was going through my journaling process, which is what I do and say, what was I doing in 2003? What got me really excited was that was when I had managed to move myself or withdraw, remove myself from the business. So it was running without me. So I wasn't needing to go in. So when I saw, when I saw that the energy was like the same as 2003, I'm like, yes, <laughs> this is this is great. Not that I don't want to be in my business because I really, really do. I really love it. But when we're able to create a business that can run without us, our mindset's in a completely different place and we're able to do things, we're able to, to work on the vision or the really big picture things that will move us closer to you know being able to scale or grow at a much faster or rapid rate yep. so so there's my woo for you <laughs> now we are talking about of course your dance studio as opposed to the stuff you're doing right, right now correct. but correct I, I think that's a really important thing to pick up there sam is is underpinning that is is really the opportunity for choice and mm-hmm. and one of the things that we <laughs> one of the reasons we run our own businesses rather than being employees is we get that opportunity to choose what it is we want to do and when we want to do it. And it's so easy, I think, in the day-to-day operations and the day-to-day grind to lose sight of that in our planning and what it is that we do, that ultimately this thing, this creation that we're putting together is ultimately there to give us the lifestyle that we want. Absolutely. Let me give you the flip side of what happened before 2003 that definitely made me want to do this was that I was in my business all day, every day, grinding away. Everything was dependent on me, what I was doing. If I was sick, I still had to go in. So because I I really was living this and I'd put myself into a position where I didn't have a choice, 
I, I knew that I needed to move because, you know, like you just said, we go into business to create this lifestyle. And when I realized I was in business and I'd pretty much paid for a job, it didn't feel very fun. So yeah, I, putting the putting the pieces in place, even if you do want to be in your business, putting yourself in a place where it doesn't necessarily need you is a very smart a smart place to be. Yeah, well, there's always that rule, right? When we first get out of business, we replace one idiot boss with another one and looks back at us in the mirror every morning. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. And you're looking at yourself in the mirror going, what have you done? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, I'm kind of reminded here as well, you know, as, as we sort of talk about the purpose of of shifting from where we are to this business, this this goal, right? this utopian goal of having this business that runs without us of, of one of the most influential books that I've ever read. And um, I'm actually trying to get my my son to read it right now. And that's Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert mm, Kiyosaki. Such a good book. And if you haven't read it, definitely recommend getting a copy because there's there's one really great concept in that book that he talks about. He talks about these sort of income quadrants or this sort of the cash flow quadrants as he calls them, right? And it starts out as, as this employee where, you know, you have a job, right? You replace time with money. And there's always a cap, I guess, on how much you can do that with, right? And and we talk about, I think this, this is where this idea of work-life balance comes from, mm-hmm. right? We work to have a life, mm-hmm. right? One of the other really influential books I've read um, that, you know, really encouraged me to sort of leap in two feet into the business world was um, Four Hour Work Week. And my mm, big takeaway from that, <laughs> my big takeaway from that wasn't how to do it, but it's this, like, you know, have design your work around your lifestyle, not the mm-hmm. other way around. Mm. And these two, I think these two books, you know, these two concepts have been really influential in my thinking about business as well. Anyway, the cash flow quadrant goes on to these other different stages, right? So you start with an employee and you have a job and you replace time with dollars, right? Obviously the first step is that is going to this self-employed space where you own a job, right? Yeah. And again, for, for many of us, you would, you would absolutely resonate this again, where we replace time for dollars, Mm-hmm. And then we start to shift into these other quadrants, which I think are, are really interesting transitions. And the first one of those is we're a business owner. Mm-hmm. And I, loved, I know a lot of people, moving to the start out, they go, well, I'm a business owner now, mm-hmm. as if it comes with flags and pom-poms and all that sort of stuff and a, and a cheer squad. But you're really kind of in this this own job stage, right? You're in this mm, self-employed, self-employed. Stage, right? Where you're still replacing time for dollars and you're probably making a bit less because, you know, you've got these other expenses that previously you bought to pay for mm-hmm. but a business now owner now owns a system and you know we, we were we were talking again just offline about there's really only two ways to scale your business and one of them's with people and the other one's with you know tech and, and systems mm-hmm. right but you own a system now that is starting to get executed without you mm-hmm. and the last stage this utopian vision of course is that you're this investor stage where you own investments and you make dollars from the dollars that are invested. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's the kind of the end, the end goal of this cash flow quadrant. But there's this, there is this really interesting shift, I think, from this self-employed state to this business state where you own the job and then you own the system. Well, I think the most important thing, I just want to cut in there, the most important thing is that really that employee and self-employed is on the poor dad side. So it's the, and what he's talking about here, if you haven't read the book, is the the mentality that comes behind this. So the self-employed is on the poor dad side, 
where the business owner is on the rich dad side. It's the way you think. It's it's a, a very different way of thinking. So that's why the the change or that transition is is so um, beneficial because you're really moving into a different way of thinking as well as a different way of doing. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is made possible by your podcast concierge. Editing your podcast can be time consuming. Your podcast concierge offers comprehensive and affordable podcast production and social media marketing services to help you grow your podcast and business faster. Go to yourpodcastconcierge.com and book a call via the Let's Talk button on the homepage and receive 50% off your first month when you mention Thought Leaders Business Lab. So this, this is this transition, I think, when you get to this business owner state and you've got at least things better down. This is the point where you can actually start to work away from your business mm-hmm. and still have it deliver the outcome of that business, right? which is profit that we can go and spend to live the lifestyle that we dreamed about when we first, <laughs> we first got into business. Right? But this is this important transition where we go from self-employed to business right? because the business owner is the person who can walk away and still have it run and deliver the lifestyle, right? So I'm not talking you can walk away for a weekend or you can walk away for a week over Christmas when nothing's happening anyway. We're talking that you could walk away for three months at a time or for five months at a time or six months at a time that allows you to actually go and pursue whatever other pursuits that you want to want to have, right? If you had philanthropic goals, you could actually sort of take some of that money and put it towards philanthropic goals and have your focus go elsewhere. The key transition for me is this ability to stand without you. I just want to give some clarity around being able to walk away from your business because I've noticed on social media, let's just say, that some people have got this idea a little bit muddy. So what this doesn't mean is you can walk away from your business and just not take clients and still have you know, you're not actually delivering. So it doesn't mean for this week, I don't want to work. So I'm just going to walk away, but you're not delivering on your client's expectations. What it means is you can walk away, but the deliverables are still happening in the background. So I I think that it's really important to understand that it's not just walking away to go for a, a walk down the park and you're not picking up the phone. It's the phone still being picked up by a piece of tech or someone else in your business, the things are still happening. It's just that you're not necessarily there. Yeah, absolutely. I think we were racking our brains about what's the difference between leverage and, and being able to walk away, right? Now, mm-hmm. leverage you can get from business model, right? Or you can move, move from one-to-one consulting to group consulting, or you know, we could have a course that gives us leverage. But being able to truly move into this business owner state really re- requires one of two things, right? Mm-hmm. It requires people. Mm-hmm. Right, and the systems that those people then execute, mm-hmm. or it requires the tech, which mm-hmm. automatically executes the systems that you've designed. Absolutely. So being able to walk away doesn't mean that your business is necessarily just robotic. It might mean that you've got people in place, like Tim said, that are running your systems and procedures. So when I was able to walk away from my business back in 2003, there was three different sites with dance stores and and a dance studio. There was many, many staff that were all following systems and procedures. It wasn't being done by robots. It was real people. It just meant that I didn't have to be there. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe you had a similar situation, Tim, with Riot Act a few years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, think when we talk about your previous business and it's the kind of thing, if you've got one, you kind of do it and then you walk away from it and then you do it again. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> this is the entrepreneurial journey, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is about this idea that if we have 
and, and we plan for what parts of the business need to be executed on a regular basis, right? How do we do that? And how do we get someone else to be able to do it or someone or something to be able to execute that on a regular basis? So, you know, with Riot Act, we had a lot of membership stuff and there was a lot of automation around the membership side of thing and the, the uh, members experience, right? Using tech to leverage that. But at the same time, we had an editorial team that, that managed content, right? So it wasn't me reading every single comment that came in once a second. We had an editorial team that did that curation and that, that management. Uh, so you can have this combination of both where if you get it right, it does mean that you kind of make yourself redundant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. And it gets you to this position where you work on the system rather than in, right? And we talk about this a lot, right? Talk about this on versus in kind mm-hmm. of mentality, but we do need to have this in all of our planning, right? Every week we need to look and say, how can I work on my business? How can I improve a system that makes me redundant? Largely the stuff that we do for our clients is a repetitive process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? It might seem different for each client, but there's an underpinning process that's the same every single time to produce a similar outcome every single time as well. Absolutely. So obviously you can't go from being full-time in your business today to having a business that can run without you tomorrow, but there are things that you can put in place right now that are going to get you towards your end goal of having that business that can run without you. So whether you're not in that business or whether you're taking a different position within that business, it really doesn't matter, but we're really just talking about setting it up. And I think that that very first thing needs to be um, systems and procedures. That is 100% what I believe is the first thing that every business should be working on. For anything that you repeat more than, you know, two or three times, there needs to be a system created. What's the procedure that your staff people go through to make sure that your business is delivering a consistent or delivering consistently every single time because that's part of your branding or part of your client experience. And I think that that's, to me, the most important part of um, setting the business up. Would you agree with that, Tim? Yeah, look, absolutely. Absolutely, Sam. I think, you know, it's just the, the immediate thing that came to mind was McDonald's. Right? I imagine all the McDonald's mm-hmm. in the world, you know, they didn't follow a system. You'd be like, I'd like a Big Mac, please. And you'd go in there and you'd get something completely different every single time. And some would have ketchup on it and some would have chili sauce and some would have mayonnaise. And like, yeah. <laughs> some would have lamb, some would have veggie burgers and whatever else as well. You'd be like, hang on, this is, I, I, I kind of was expecting this outcome and I'm not getting that outcome. Right. So the systems and procedures are super important that either your people are going to execute or your tech executes on your behalf. And, you know, those two things, I think we've got to kind of embed into our planning process, embed into our business to go, this is the repeatable process that delivers the client outcome consistently each and every time. Because then we can start to work on optimizing that, right? We mm-hmm. talked a couple of weeks ago uh, in the perfection trap about start with something and then evolve it from there. Mm-hmm. And and this is our job as the business owner. This is this really should be our first and foremost job. It's not delivering to clients. It's not, you know, but taking sales calls. It's not reconciling the books. Our job as the business owner really should be to systemize what our business delivers to our customers. Now, what's really interesting about what you said there, and I don't know if you know this, Tim. I think you do. But my very first job was in McDonald's. I was a little McDonald's girl, and. 
I and I had that job from the time I was 15 I, and I actually really loved that job I love being part of the culture of McDonald's we were we were very lucky we had a great store owner and um, we had great management we had great team I, I loved being there what was interesting is because that was my first job that was the way I thought all businesses ran I didn't realize that businesses ran a different way so when I opened my first business at 20 I automatically just put in, I just replicated what I was doing at McDonald's. You know, we had the, I remember my first shift there was we had to learn the steps of service and we had to watch this video over and over again. And we weren't allowed out onto the floor until we could repeat to the, the manager on duty what the steps of service were. Now, because of that, I actually thought that was normal and I created, when we opened our first shop, steps of service to make sure that every one of our team members greeted people and served people in exactly the same way every time because that's part of our brand. I didn't realize until later on that that uh, not every business owner knows this stuff. So I'm, I'm super grateful that that was my first job because it really helped me to understand how to create and, and how much to create systems. Like everything was written down and had a procedure or, or a system for it. Yeah, of course, the, you know. You got to get people to to follow it, which is the next step. But that comes that comes from leadership and training and those sorts of things. But you know, I I truly believe that if we want to grow our business, and if you're looking around you right now and going, oh my god, how do they do that? How do they get to there so quickly? Mm-hmm. It's because of this focus, this mm-hmm. underpinning focus that everything we do is around systemizing and and proceduralizing our business using people and or, or tech to achieve that outcome. And the more we do that the more likely we are to go to get where we want to go faster. Now, what, what I see here um, is people will go, yep, totally get what, you, what you're talking about, Sam and Tim, and then go back into the business and get straight back into the doing. So let's talk about the first thing that trips people up, and that's the thought that they need to create the systems and processes themselves. As the business owner, you do not need to create your systems and procedures yourself because your time, maybe your your systems oriented and it really works for you. Um, my husband, Leon, is very systems oriented. His human design, is his, um, his incarnation cross or his life theme is about small details. That is not mine. So <laughs> he is great at creating systems and procedures. Myself, not the best use of my team, but I do know that I need them and I know what we need to have created. So what I do, and we, we mentioned before, there's only two things that you can use. It's either people or tech. So what do I do? I go straight to the team member that is doing whatever task it is, and I ask them to create the system or the procedure because that's not something, it's not in my zone of genius. And that's something else. To be able to scale as fast as possible, you need to make sure that you're always in your zone of genius. Yeah. Actually, I ran a poll on LinkedIn the other day and said, you know how many people operate in their zone of genius? And only 14% of people said, of respondents said, I'm in my zone of genius most of the time. Wow. Um, wow. A lot more in the expert space, which was good, which means yep. that you're kind of doing stuff you enjoy and it is driving your business forward. But fully half of respondents said, I work in my incompetent space too often and I work in just stuff that I'm competent at. Right? I don't enjoy it. can do it. It doesn't really drive my business forward. And the more we can get out of that, the more we can work in our expert space, I think is absolutely right. And I can look, you know, if you're at this point now where you're sort of bouncing off this, seem to be bouncing off this growth ceiling, this is possibly why. 
is because you don't have someone else or something else executing this part of the business for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Great use of a VA, right? And particularly a detailed-oriented VA, someone like a Leon. Mm-hmm. Um, bring them into your business and just have them sit there and copy what it is you do and ask questions about why you're doing it that way. What are you doing? What are you doing? Have them yeah. document your process if you can't do it yourself. Mm-hmm. You're the only person in business. Yeah. Um, have them document it. I actually had a, a meeting today where we were testing an automation and I was teaching one of my team how to go through the testing process. And rather than having her documented or me documented, I actually had one of my other team members come on and said, document what we're talking about and create a system from it. Oh, that's so, so clever. So if we're looking at the disk profile, I'm assuming you're a D or an I. I'm I'm a D-I. It's, a, <laughs> it's not a, hard a, to it's figure a out. Fairly good guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know my assistant is a very high C. So make sure that you're hiring people that fill the gaps that you do have. You know, if you are a DI, hire someone that's a high C that can really look at those systems and procedures and not only enjoy it, but they're really good at it too. And uh, that's that's a beautiful symphony of people. Yeah, and, and that's them working in their genius zone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There are stuff in that business that we don't enjoy doing, right? If you're listening to this and thinking, oh, I enjoy all of my business, right? I'm going to tell you right now, you are lying to me and to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? There's absolutely stuff in your business that you do not enjoy doing, but you know has to be done, mm-hmm. right? So for some people, that might be sales, right? So you might need your eyes for your sales calls, right? Mm-hmm. For some people, it's the systems. You might need your C's for your systems, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it might be you're someone who runs your team, mm-hmm. you know, you need a really good SI person, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who can make decisions, right? I know people who have uh, hired uh, general managers, mm-hmm. even though that they're the, the owner of the business. They've actually put someone else in charge. Well, think about any business that, or a business that does grow to a really, and I'm talking like a, a you know, maybe like a, a a high seven or even an eight figure business. Generally, it's not the business owner that's the CEO. That's right. It's someone else there. Absolutely. Right? So it is. It is possible to do that, and you should be thinking like, this is the owner, right? Who do I need to put in the right places at the right time to deliver me the outcome that I want for my business? Absolutely. Absolutely. So always and it doesn't be- need to be you. Yeah, I am one of the best pieces of advice I got very early in my business is hire hire the best person for that job. It was the best advice I ever got because from that point forward I always did look for whoever was the best in that area. Um and and I hired them and that's very much how my team is run now. The the person that we've got in in charge of our genies is just so good at it and does a job that I could never do. And I don't need to. That's even better, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Let's quickly recap. All right. Obviously, you know, the goal is is to create this business to run without you, right? We want to be moving from this self-employed stat where you're stay where you're changing dollars for, you know, time for dollars into this thing where you're the business owner and you're creating a system is creating new money, whether you're not there or not. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's the goal, right? That's the goal of every business that we want to that we want to have how big that is that's entirely up to you but ultimately want to get to this point where it's going to run without you and deliver the lifestyle that you want um you can't just walk away right Mm -hmm. it it has to have some stuff and that's the point that's the piece of work we need to do and we do need either systems procedures checklist team business model etc in order to create that but the two most important there is your tech or your people 
who are going to execute what your business does without you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I'd re- or what we would really love you to, to think about is what people do you need to bring in? Start to think about that now. What tech do you need to implement to really create those procedures that are repeatable and dependable and consistent? Because if you start thinking about it now, it's a lot easier to implement along the way than to suddenly 10 years down the track be burnt out, tired and thinking, oh, now now it's it's too much work to get it done. So start implementing these thoughts in now and start, you know, thinking about how you can implement some of these things, you know, coming into the new year to free up your time for next year. If you've got some value from this episode, which we hope you do because you're still with us, scroll to the top of your app, click share and share it with someone that you know would get value from this episode. And while you're there, click the follow or the subscribe button to be notified every time we drop an episode here on the Influence by Design podcast. Tim, thanks for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Love this topic. And thank you for listening. It's been really great. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other coaches and experts who are growing and scaling their business too, come and join the Coaches Course Creators and Speakers group on Facebook. The links are all waiting for you over at samanthariley.global.